Praise God, everybody. Thank you. All right. The one guy I pay, he actually said. <laughs> oh, it's good to see each and every one of you. I'm so excited about tonight's Bible study and our time together. And so uh, I pray that you are as well. Um, we're going to just dig in. I'm expecting a serious Bible study tonight. So if you have a paper and a pen, I'd encourage you to use it. I always say that a short pencil is better than a long memory. And so notes here and there. Don't, don't be afraid to write in your Bible, circle things, have a good time. We're going to sing a couple songs, but we're going to sing our songs tonight interlaced in the midst of the Bible study. So instead of song up front, uh, I've got a couple, three songs that we're going to do incorporated into the Bible lesson tonight. And they uh, reaffirm what we're going to learn. And so that's why I'm going to do that that way. But we welcome you, all of you online. Thank you so much for checking in tonight, whether you're, whether you're watching right now or whether you're catching up with it later on, or as I just heard, maybe even binge watching. <laughs> and so uh, we're so glad to have you with us. We're, I just expect the anointing of the Lord tonight, and we're going to have a casual, relaxed um, honest Bible study. And so let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we give you honor and glory. We thank you so much for your word. I am, my mind is blown, blown over everything that's in your word and how there's so much to dig and so much to find out. And you reveal it to us, Lord, as we search. And you've told us in your word that if you'll search for me with all your heart, that you will be found. And we are so grateful, Lord. We give you praise. We ask that you open our ears to hear tonight, that you open our minds to understand, and that you open our hearts to receive absolutely everything that you have in store for us in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. All right, well, tonight we are going to begin discussing the seventh Seventh of the seven churches of Asia. I don't expect we'll get past verse one tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting Laodicea is going to take us a few weeks because there's so much in here. Uh, and the things that just came to, to bear, even in the Bible study, uh, as I was putting things together, was just, like I said, it was blowing my mind the things that God has for us, in, in sometimes in a single word. And it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Um, you can turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 through 22. Uh, but let me start this evening's Bible study off by saying Laodicea is the only church with the unfortunate distinction where the Lord had nothing good to say about them. That is an unfortunate distinction uh, to have. That of all the churches that were mentioned in this particular one, he didn't have a single um, commendation for them. He had nothing but condemnation for them. Uh, and remember that a part of our journey in the seven churches is certainly being prepared for the Lord's coming, but it's also looking at these letters and saying the things that the Lord commends, we want to strive toward those things. We want to reach for those things, and the things that the Lord condemns, 
We want to steer as far away from those things as we possibly can. Can I get an amen? amen. So let's get started. We'll, we'll read uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22, and then we'll begin to break some things apart. Um, verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, dear Laodicea, <laughs> there's some tough stuff going on there. So as I've done with every one of the uh, uh, letters, I've given you a snapshot of the city in which the church resided. And there's some really interesting facts about uh, the city of Laodicea that totally fits the things that wrote, Jesus wrote in his letter. You're going to pick up some of them pretty quickly. Um, the one thing about Laodicea was it had no water supply within its city limits. It had to uh, have its water supply from uh, springs nearly six miles away that came through aqueducts. And so that was a, a detriment to that city to have to rely upon those springs and the aqueducts. It was a, also a military problem as well, so they could shut off the water supply. That city was in trouble. It was a great banking and financial center, one of the wealthiest cities in the world at the time. Notice Jesus said, you say you're rich and need nothing, but you're actually poor and wretched and stupid. <laughs> Uh, it was a great center of clothing manufacture. Isn't that interesting? He said, you know, you're naked. Uh, it was world-renowned. It had a world-renowned medical center where it was famous, get this, for the creation of ointments and salve for the eyes and for the ears. Isn't that crazy? That, you know, that's why I say each of these letters has something specific to say to that church that they related to based on the city itself. And then very interestingly, it had the largest Jewish population of any of the seven cities. The things that uh, Christ wrote in this letter to the church are, in my opinion, dramatically connected to the actual events and characteristics of the city. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail probably in, in, a, in a week or two. But uh, just in my introduction, you could connect what was in the letter to what's going on in the city, and it's almost astounding. Uh, based on this letter, um, 
Laodicea had no redeeming qualities spiritually. That's a sad, sad statement about a church. Uh, this letter was a scathing condemnation of the church. And I believe there are many lessons to be learned uh, in this. In fact, I wonder if we'll get past verse 1 tonight. Uh, because there's many lessons in words and pictographs and other things that um, are, you're going to find very interesting in uh, Sandy Torah time and stuff like that. Any of you who've been to my Torah time classes know that I use this as a regular Bible study. And it's astounding the things that you learn if you continue to do that. So like all the letters, this particular letter starts with some great titles for Jesus Christ. It says, to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God, or the origin of the creation of God. So we got three names, the amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God. He took those on as literal titles for himself in this letter. So I want us to take a look at those three titles. There's some really interesting things to glean from this. He is called the Amen. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 16 says, God is called the God of truth, but in the Hebrew, excuse me, let me read it, uh, 65, 16, the one who is blessed on the earth will be blessed by the God of truth, and the one who swears an oath on the earth will swear by the God of truth. Now, in the Hebrew, though, they don't use the word truth there. They use the word amen. He is the God of amen. The one who is blessed on the earth will be blessed by the God of amen. And the one who swears an oath on the earth will swear by the God of amen. Now, you might wonder where that comes from. We're going to take a look at some ancient Hebrew pictographs tonight. Not flannel graphs. <laughs> Those of you who remember that just aged yourself. <laughs> But pictographs, so a pictograph is a symbol that represents a word, or in some cases a multiplicity of words, that that was the communication way. And a lot of ancient Hebrew, uh, much of the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew language is lost language, but that which has been found from the ancient Hebrew is often found in the form of pictographs, pictures. You're going to see a couple of them tonight, and we're going to look at them in relationship to, uh, in this case, the word, not just the word amen, but applying that to the fact that Jesus said, that's my name, by the way. Names mean things, right? And so the ancient Hebrew pictograph representing liquid, uh, and that liquid is like either water or blood, is that first little squiggly line? No, that's not it. The other, oh, there we go. That's, uh, this, this is actually the uh, ancient Hebrew pictograph for liquid, for water, or for blood specifically. The next one, which was actually the first one that you had up there, uh, is the pictograph for seed. And it implies continuance, posterity. Okay, are you following me? And then, um, and, and it also carries, when you take the two together, and we'll look at three different pictographs together to discover what the amen, what Jesus is actually saying when he says, 
my name is the amen. Uh, these two together, they, they give the, uh, the pictograph or the word for, for blood continues or strength in the blood. Now, any of you who are raised in Jesus Christ and have been covered by the blood know can already begin to draw something from that pictograph of strength in the blood. It carries the idea of strength through the blood. Now, another interesting pictograph is that one that has three different ones. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, it says uh, aman, but that's actually for amen. And it's an affirmation of firmness, an affirmation of support. It also means amen. It almost also means so be it. So, Interestingly, as we look at Jesus' title for himself, the Amen, you can go back to the ancient Hebrew for the word Amen and take the pictographs from that and draw some interesting conclusions that are deeper than just what we think about when we go, in Jesus' name, Amen. Because Jesus said what? To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the Amen. In other words, hello everybody, let me introduce myself, the Amen. There's something to that. And so the multiple pictographs for these words are amazing because they offer for us a description of God. That's what Jesus is doing. God is the God of truth. God is the God of amen. He's the God of strength through the blood. Are you listening? Are you catching that? He's the God of strength through the blood. I think this is a good time to sing a song. Ah, there it is. I brought my little band with me tonight. Now, I'm going to do three songs tonight, two of which I know you know. Here we go. Now, remember what we just talked about with the pictograph. Strength through the blood. The God of truth, the God of Amen, the God of so be it, the God who brings us strength through the blood. Now, if anybody could say that, Jesus would be the one who could say it. Amen. Come on, stand with me. We're going to sing together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You believe that tonight? my cleansing this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the blood that makes me white as snow no other fountain I know 
but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, nothing but the blood of Come on, my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it out. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No one found I know, nothing but the blood of Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Amen. Come back and do a song again in a minute. Do you have much as, as much fun as I did right there? So, the amen. He says, Dear Laodicea, with no emphasis on dear, because it's a scathing condemnation. He said, let me tell you who just showed up on the scene. It's me, Jesus, and I am the amen. I'm the God of truth. I'm the God of the amen. I'm the God of so be it, and I'm the God who brings strength through the blood. Isn't it amazing that we can see that picture in pictographs of the ancient Hebrew? Praise God. He also says, I'm not only the amen, but I'm the faithful and true witness. Let me do something real quick just to stop this from playing. All right, there we go. I'm the faithful and true witness. So as the amen, the so be it, the God of truth expresses the unchangeable truth of God, the unchangeable truth of his word, so be it. So let it be written, so let it be done. The faithful and true witness, it expresses the unending reliability of all the promises of God. And all those promises are what? According to 2 Corinthians 1.20, yes and amen in him, yes and in him, amen to the glory of God. He's the faithful and the true witness. So he comes along and he says, I'm the amen. I'm the one that says, so be it. I bring strength through the blood, and I am God. And he says, through me as son, as savior, I want you to know that all the promises of God are yes and amen. The Old Testament even teaches us that not one of the promises of God have ever failed, but every single one of them have already been fulfilled. And they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Oh, that brings me to my next song. I wouldn't know that if I didn't have it in my notes. 
I got to turn around this way, otherwise my cord's not long enough. That should be playing. Did you shut it down? Ah, there it is. All right, now I know you know this one. Think about it. Yeah, it's that stand. Faithful and true witness, right? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail as thou hast been thou forever will be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I Great is thy faith. 
more time. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Uh-huh. You're faithful. So be it, Lord, and their strength through your blood. You are faithful and true. All oh, there's no one like you, faithful Lord. you can feel that like I'm feeling it up here, but if you don't feel it out there like I'm feeling it up here, you should have a chair up here. Go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, Doug, I think you can keep that channel uh, going because I'm manually controlling some things up here. All right, let's set that one aside. Have you had fun with the first two songs? All from the beginning of verse 1. Go figure. Go figure. Then we find out that he says that's not my only titles. I'm not just the amen. I'm the faithful and true witnesses. witness. But he goes on to say, I'm the beginning of God's creation. Now, the connection of Jesus with creation is frequently mentioned in the New Testament. We can see that if you'll look with me over in 1 John. Now, I'm going to share a couple things with you that I want that I... I, I Prayerfully, prayerful that you see, I put that in the wrong spot, uh, some interesting things. I like interesting things in the Bible. It's so amazing to me that sometimes we just read past things. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 1, what's the first three words? Anybody? You got your Bibles, right? What's the first three words? Wait a minute, doesn't that sound familiar? Sound familiar to some other place in the Bible, right? In Genesis? So we're going to correlate a couple things between John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1, which I think is going to bless you tremendously. So here we have, in the beginning, everybody say the beginning, was the Word, capitalized, meaning that that's a person speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, Jesus, nothing came into being that has ever come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light, capital L, that's a proper noun, was the light of men. The light, capital L, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we see in that passage, certainly, in the beginning, Jesus was there. He was a part of creation. He is giving a testament to say, I'm the amen, I'm the faithful and true witness, and and I am the beginning of God's creation. It's pretty powerful. But now let's go over to Genesis, because what I want you to relate between the two is two things. One, the beginning 
and the other is that proper noun, the light. Are you ready? Genesis 1. In the beginning. Now, I don't know why. I've read John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1 for years, and I never put the correlation together between the two in the beginnings. Pretty powerful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, now remember, Jesus is there. Jesus is God. Figure that mystery out. It's all, but it's Christ, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, how many know that God never created anything imperfect? Uh, He did not create the earth without form and void. He did not create, it didn't say, it says in the beginning. I would, I would assure you that when he created the earth, it was completely perfect in every way. But Satan was cast to the earth. Satan is the author of darkness, the author of void, the author of useless, the author of chaos, the author of trouble. Get the picture. So in the earth was formless, no purpose. It was void, it was empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now look, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Because God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Beloved, this is not the creation of the sun and the planets and the stars and the moon. That happened on day Four. All right, if you look in the Hebrew text, you'll see a lot of Hebrew letters. They have their line, and then there's often a dot or a little, uh, called a jot and a tittle. And some of those uh, jots or tittles will denote masculinity or femininity based on the word that was given there. The Hebrews will actually read this, then God said, let him be the light. In the beginning, all the way back over to John, it says he was the light, the light of the world. And he said God saw the light, that it was good, and God separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day. We are called in the New Testament the children of day. We are not called the children of night. This is a pretty profound and powerful correlation between Genesis chapter 1 and John 21 to see a what Jesus is actually saying when he said, I'm the amen, I'm the faithful and the true witness, and I am the beginning of God's creation. He was the light that was there to dispel darkness. Praise God. And of course, we find in Colossians 1, chapter, 15, chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Uh, That is a pretty profound uh, introduction that Jesus puts in his letter to the church of Laodicea to say, I am the amen. I am, this is where the buck stops. And in this amen is strength through the blood. And he says, and I'm a faithful and true witness. In other words, you can count on what I say. 
my witness is reliable. My promises are reliable. And he says, I am the beginning of the creation of God. And we saw those two beautiful correlations between John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now, listen, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Wow. To me, that's a wow moment in Scripture. Everybody just say, wow. wow. I got chili bumps, so... There's just a lot of great stuff in the introduction. Dear church, I am. There was so much to glean from there. But now, Jesus gets down to the nitty-gritty of it. And this first part of the nitty-gritty is, it's brass tacks all the way. It's not good stuff. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, he says, I know your deeds. He said that to every church so far, remember? That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Or as one translation says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, again, we're going to do a little bit of a word study here to glean as much as we can from each of these sayings of Christ. It's important to note the exact meaning of some choice words that Jesus chooses here in this text. He uses the word cold, he uses the word lukewarm, and he uses the word hot. There's some meaning behind that. Cold is from the Greek word sucros, and it means cold all the way to the point of freezing, freezing cold. Uh, Hot is from the Greek word zestos, And it means all the way to the point of boiling hot. There's a long ways between utterly Antarctic freezing cold to uh, southern Florida in midsummer boiling hot. Are you with me in my analogy there? But then we have this Greek word kleros, which is where we get the word tepid. It, It means lukewarm, and typically for most people's palate, Things that are tepid, especially liquids, cause a nauseating effect in their system when they imbibe that, that whatever it is. So the, here the Lord is saying, I can deal with you being cold, and I can deal with you being hot, but you being lukewarm nauseates me. That's quite a statement from the Lord. I, I, I can deal with you being cold, and I can deal with you being hot, but when you're lukewarm, you make me sick. I did a message a number of years ago, Do You Make God Sick, was the title of my message. Someone who is red hot, who is zestos for the Lord, is in a relational fellowship with God. Even when that person makes a mistake, they are close enough to God to receive from the Lord or receive from their their pastor correction and instruction to get things right. And they often, they won't buck that correction. They're, they're so in love with God and the things of God, they're just saying, help me, pastor, help me, God, you know, get better at what I'm doing and being a Christian. And those people that are zestos, red hot for God, they're always leaning forward. They're always in the midst of steadily progressing in their relationship and their knowledge of Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, steadily progressing. So that's the person who's hot. Then you have that person, where am I at? Over here, who's cold, sucrose. 
The cold person usually, quite frankly, is honest enough to admit that they're backslidden. They play no games with it. I'm out, I'm not doing well, and I'm not doing the things that I know to be doing. I've walked away from God, and it's just where I'm at right now. Those people that are cold are usually honest enough to make that assessment or agree with that assessment of themselves. However, the person who is lukewarm often attempts to convince themselves and to convince everyone else that they are just as spiritual as anybody else around them, and they're as close to God as anybody else around them, and they try to justify their lifestyle in many cases by twisting the word to fit what they want to do or justify their lack of spirituality because they're mad at the pastor or mad at the church or whatever. That's your lukewarm person. David, if you can get that water going for me. Any one of us can find, never think yourself so haughty that you can never, don't worry about him. Look up here. Uh, He's just pushing a button for me. He's already done, praise God. Everybody went from looking at me to, what's, what's Dave doing? He said, boil water? What's he doing over there? I get it, I get it, I get it. How's he going to boil water over there? I got my ways. <laughs> but any one of us can find ourselves at any given time in any one of these three conditions. Cold, lukewarm, or hot. The person who is cold is without any signs of life. They are just dead spiritually. The person who is lukewarm is indifferent, straddling the fence, appearing to be alive but actually dead, pretending they're not real. And the person who is hot is on fire with passion and zeal for God and all his ways. I love it when I get around uh, a, a person on fire for Christ. I love, I love uh, 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 being, oh my gosh, you know how names slip your mind sometimes? She's sitting right there. It's gone. No. What's your name, dear? I know you. I know you. This is why I'm having a, a problem with my brain. Yes, you. Huh? Naomi! I knew that. But I love, I, you know, yeah, I'm now I'm going to say I love getting around Naomi. I couldn't even remember her name. It just was, all of you have had those moments when you wanted to call someone's name and it just left the brain cells. All right. I love being around her. She's so uh, exuberant and she exudes passion and, and zeal for the things of God. I mean, you can just feel better being around Naomi because she exudes such positive spiritual energy. Uh, wow. I mean, just they're sitting back there right now with a smile. I could preach all day long just watching her react in a service. And so I like being around people that are on fire for God. Amen. I'm not too cool about being around people that are just so cold that they are just deadsville. And I have a hard time being around people who are lukewarm because the spirit of slap just comes all over me. And I want to start taking care of some business. The church at Laodicea had become complacent. They weren't being persecuted. Remember, it was highly populated by the Jewish people. Uh, They were comfortable. They were prospering. It was the wealthiest city in all the world at its time. They were self-satisfied. They were doing nothing. Say they were doing nothing. 
they were a do-nothing church. They were nothing more than a social club that gathered together to pretend to worship God, but only to feel better about themselves. According to Jesus, this is the worst condition that a church can ever find itself in. Uh, it would be easy, for example, to, for God to judge the cold. It would be even easier for God to bless the red-hot, on-fire congregation. But what does he do with the lukewarm people? He vomits them out because they nauseate him. <laughs> to me, that is such a sad statement that you are neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. But it nauseates me. It sickens me to my stomach, the Lord would say, for you to be lukewarm. What do we need to do to become lukewarm? Are we boiling yet? Go check and see. Uh, do nothing. Do nothing. He's going to bring that coffee. It's, it, it might be steaming already. Was it boiling? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if I pour this, y'all see that steam coming off of there? Okay. Thank you, David. So this is boiling hot water. You can see action. You don't even have to touch it to see that something's going on right here. Okay? Now, this is cold water over here. Okay? That's cold. But this water here has been sitting around for a while. And it's actually lukewarm. It ain't been doing nothing. Just sitting there. Not active in any way, shape, or manner. Just coming to church and doing nothing. Just hanging out. Hot water, sitting around long enough doing nothing, will eventually acclimate itself to its environment. This water now is probably acclimated to the temperature of this room. Not this water. I dare not stick my finger in there uh, or take a drink. I'll scald my tongue. This water over here is going to be cold. Now, granted, in this setting, that, this drinking water is refreshing, not certainly in the picture of, from Revelation. But in this one, it could make me feel a little nauseated. But how did the water get there? By doing nothing. This is actually a great illustration to use for ministry of helps. <laughs> but we, we have a lot of people here that work very, very hard. So I want you to understand that this was a do-nothing church that eventually acclimated itself to its surroundings. And a church will not only active, acclimate itself to its surroundings in here, but out there as well when it is a lukewarm church. I want us to stay red hot and fired up for Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I want to be on fire for the Lord in everything that I do. I pray that I never get complacent, that I never get satisfied, that I never get to that place where I go, I figured it all out and I have arrived because even the Apostle Paul said he had not figured it all out and he had not arrived. All of us have to stay in that humble state where we 
recognize that we can't survive without the amen. We can't make it without the faithful and true witness. We don't and should not want to do life without the beginning of the creation of God. And we never want God to write us a letter individually, metaphorically, saying, I've got a problem with you. You're lukewarm. What a horrible, sad statement for him to say, I wish you were cold or I wish you were hot. But this lukewarm thing, you and I are not going to get along good in that setting. And how do you get there? How do you get from here to here? Do nothing. And you'll acclimate to your environment like that. I see if I remember how to do this one.
spirit break out Break our walls down, Lord Spirit break out Heaven come down, my God, yeah Spirit break out Break our walls This place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high. Your glory shaking up the earth and skies. Revival, we want to see your kingdom here we want to see your kingdom here spirit break out break our walls down Lord. spirit break out heaven come down my sweet Lord Break our walls down, yeah. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down, Lord. Help us to be on fire for you, Lord. to never grow cold. Help us to never become like this cup of water. Doing nothing, just acclimating to the environment and thereby coming spiritually lukewarm. Lord, I don't want any part of my life to sicken you. No part of my life, Lord God, that would bring reproach to your word, to your church, to who you are as the amen, to who you are as the faithful and true witness, to who you are as the, the beginning of all of God's creation. We praise your holy name, Lord. We give you honor.
really just wanted this to kind of be a moment where we reflected on the introduction of our Lord and really took to heart the things he said in the opening of his scathing letter. To never find ourselves there, but to always find ourselves here worshiping him. We pray, Father, that your spirit break out in us, that we are set on fire, a fire that cannot be put out, Lord, that we can be a people that exude your greatness, that exude your joy, that exude your presence, Lord, that exude your love and express your great love. No matter what, Lord, you give us all, even the church at Laodicea, an opportunity to repent, to get things right. We thank you, Lord. and lead us, Lord, as we go tonight. Help us to be a witness. Help us to stay strong in faith to you, Lord. To never be turned by the world. But always given to you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings now and for your safety, Lord, for the sweetness of your spirit tonight in this worship and in this Bible study. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening, and we will see you on Friday night for our Good Friday service starting at 6 o'clock. I've got special plans for Friday night service, so I call you blessed. You're dismissed.